As we prepare for our scripture lesson today, we'll be uh, reading from Psalm 78. We'll be reading the first seven verses of the psalm. Uh, But before we go to God's word, let's first take a moment to go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Oh Lord, as we uh, come before you today, as we gather in worship in this room or wherever we are, we give you thanks for uh, the blessing of this time, for the blessing of your word. And as we turn our attention now to the words of scripture, we ask that your spirit would be with us. We ask that you would open our ears and our eyes, our minds and our hearts, that we might come to know who you are and who you are calling us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Psalm 78, beginning at verse 1. Listen to the word of God. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from our children. We will tell them to the coming generation. The glorious deeds of the Lord and his might. And the wonders that he has done. He established a decree in Jacob. And appointed a law in Israel. Which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children. That the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn. And rise up and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, as we uh, turn our attention now to reflecting on your word, we ask that your spirit would be with us. We ask that you would set aside the cares and concerns and worries of this past week our anxieties or fears or excitement about the week to come, and that you would allow us to be in this moment, that you would allow us to hear your word, that you would allow us to understand who you are and who you have called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. And this is how our psalm begins. And as we read these words, uh, open my mouth with a parable and utter dark sayings from of old, uh, we, we may be tempted to assume that the psalm is going to lead us into some uh, long-forgotten uh, bits of wisdom from the deep recesses of the past. We may feel as though the psalmist is preparing us for uh, great riddles and great mystery in the words that will follow. But, if you read the rest of this psalm, you don't find any uh, dark, forgotten uh, wisdom from the past. You don't find mystery. In fact, if you were expecting mystery, you might be quite shocked to find what you get is history. Uh, The psalmist continues and simply recounts the stories that we've heard a hundred times before. If you read the rest of Psalm 78, you find the psalmist uh, tells the the stories of, of Israel's redemption throughout the years. The psalmist restates the stories we already know, retells the tales that we've heard, rehearses the history of God's people. And they're, they're very familiar stories. So the psalmist will tell us the story about the people of God being set free from Egypt, a story that we know and love. 
As the psalmist will tell us about God parting the Red Sea so that the people could walk through. The psalmist will tell us about God sending a, a pillar of cloud to lead them through the wilderness. The psalmist will tell us about God providing manna for the people to eat and breaking the rocks open so that water would spring forth and the people could survive. Over and over, our psalmist tells us stories of God providing for the people in the past. These are stories we know, stories we love. Our our psalmist is retelling the tale, restating the story, rehearsing the history. And this is not unique to Psalm 78. If you look through the Old Testament, this is a it's a it's a it's a habit, it's a discipline, it's a custom to go back and retell our tales, to restate our stories, to rehearse our history. I mean, almost as soon as these events happened, the people began retelling the stories. We find it in Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. We find it throughout the, the books of writing. We find it especially in the Psalms. Then we get to the prophets and they tell the stories again. They retell the tales, they retell state the stories they rehearse the history but it's it's not just the psalms it's not just the old testament we find this same habit the same discipline the same custom in the new testament the very first sermons of the christian church preached by people like peter and stephen they retell these tales they restate these stories they rehearse this history we find it throughout the new testament as well there's there's something very important at, at retelling these stories It's so important that it's not confined to the Psalms. It's not confined to the Old Testament. It's not even confined to Scripture. I mean, something about uh, retelling these stories, about uh, restating the stories, retelling the tales, rehearsing the history, that's that's something that that we do. We do this exact same thing today. This is, in fact, Founder's Day is, it's our version of Psalm 78, a Founder's Day is, is our retelling of our tales, our restating of our stories, our rehearsing of our history. On Founder's Day, we, we remember who we are, we remember where we've been, we remember what God has already done. On Founder's Day, we, we rehearse the history of our church. We tell stories about uh, things that happened hundreds of years ago. Uh, we might tell the, the story about what happened in the early 1800s, before our church was formed, how the people in this valley had no Bibles, And wanted so desperately to study and read and learn the word of God. But there were no Bibles to be had. And so uh, finally God, God provided and there was an opportunity to get Bibles to the people in this valley. So to do it, James McLaughlin, one of the early elders of our church, made the long, difficult, and terrifying journey all the way to that faraway place known as Pittsburgh. Which in the early 1800s was a pretty long distance and took a long time to get there. But James traveled along the river and he, he got the Bibles and he brought them back so that the people in this valley would have Bibles. God provided and, and James responded. Or maybe, maybe we would tell stories not only about those early days of the early 1800s, but a, a few decades later. In the 1830s, when the people of this valley had their Bibles and they were, they were studying, they were reading, they were learning, but they had nowhere to go to do so. They had no one to lead them and no one to teach them until a, a woman named Mary Olver sat down with a family with the last name of Nevin, who had a son who had just graduated from seminary. And Mary invited uh, Daniel Eagle Nevin to come and preach and be the first preacher of our congregation. God provided, Mary responded, and suddenly a new church was formed on February 17th in 1838. Or maybe we would tell stories from what happened a few decades later. 
In the 1860s, when we had outgrown that little log church, we had outgrown the first brick church, and we were in the middle of constructing this stone church. And it wasn't done. The floor wasn't finished. The doors weren't done. There were no pews. There was no chancel. But there were walls and a roof. And as we constructed the walls and finished the roof, our nation was plunged into battle with itself. And as the Civil War broke out, even as far north as we were, the people of our congregation wanted to be part of this fight for justice. And we didn't have a completed church, but we had space. And so we opened the doors of this room, where many of us are sitting right now, and allowed the union to run drills in this room to prepare for the Civil War. We wanted to be part of the fight for justice, the literal battle for justice, and God provided and we responded. Or maybe we, don't, maybe we don't go back to the 1800s. Maybe we, we tell stories about when we, we discovered that our church was growing too quickly. We had so many children. We weren't sure where to put everyone, so we constructed a second worship space, the Chapel of the Resurrection, uh, just behind me. And we built this chapel, and as we built the chapel, as God provided the funds and the work and the labor we needed, we paid particular attention quietly to what it would sound like when we worshiped together and children were in the lead. We paid attention to what it would sound like in that chapel to hear children singing as we chose our furnishings and our equipment so our children could be part of the worship of this church. And God provided the ability for us to build this chapel and we responded. Or maybe we won't even go back that far. Maybe we don't go back to the 50s. Maybe we go back to what, what feels like yesterday but actually happened more than a decade ago as our congregation had a vision for creating a place where the children and the youth of our neighborhood could come together and learn about scripture and be safe in this community. And over 10 years ago, God provided an opportunity to purchase the house next door called the Pink House. And we responded and we did the work. And then a little more work. And okay, it was, a, it was a lot of work. We did a lot of work to create what we now know as the faith house. And even this morning, the, the youth of our church gathered together to study scripture. And every day after school, the youth of this neighborhood gather and they play basketball. And they, they hang out in a safe location here on the grounds of our church. Because more than a decade ago, we had this vision and God provided and then we responded. Maybe we'll tell any number of these stories. There are so many wonderful stories. There are tales for us to retell, stories for us to to restate history for us to rehearse as we celebrate this Founders Day. But it's dangerous. I mean, there's a danger in celebrating Founders Day. There's a danger in Psalm 78. The danger is, as we dive into our history, we can become distracted by the history itself and we can forget the purpose we can forget why we tell these stories, why we retell these tales, why we rehearse this history. And so our psalmist goes to great lengths to let us know at the very beginning why he is going to recount the history of Israel. Our psalmist draws from the 12th grade literature class playbook and gives us a thesis statement at the beginning of the psalm. If you look at the beginning of the psalm, our psalmist tells us that his entire purpose is to open my mouth in a parable. Now this is kind of strange. We, we know what parables are. Uh, we've read parables and we know what history is. So when our psalmist promises a parable but then gives us history, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Not, not at first. Uh, parables and history are two different things. 
And think about the parables that you know, the parables that you love, the parables we love to retell. Think about, uh, think about the parable of the Good Samaritan, the story that Jesus teaches about a man who's uh, traveling on a road when he's attacked by thieves. And eventually help comes from the most unlikely of places. And then at the end of the story, uh, Jesus asks his, his listeners uh, who was the neighbor, and then he instructs them to go and do likewise. This is a parable. But when you pay close attention to this parable, you discover that Jesus tells this story not to, not to connect to the action of the Samaritan, but to direct the action of his hearers. Jesus tells this story not, not to get lost in what may have happened before, but Jesus tells the story to change what can happen in the future. Jesus tells this story not because it's a story about the past, but because as a parable, it is a story about the future. Or, or think about the, the parable of the prodigal son, a story about a family that's torn apart but then reunited, a story of, of great love and acceptance and reunion. And Jesus tells this story to his followers not to, to connect them to the action of the family, but to direct the action of his disciples. To change the way they act and live and behave and think. Jesus tells this story of the prodigal son not because it may have happened or it could have happened. But Jesus tells the story to change what can happen and what will happen. The story of the prodigal son is not a story about the past. It's a story about the future. Or even go back to the Old Testament. There are parables in the Old Testament too. After David commits unspeakable crimes, the prophet sits David down and tells him a parable about a rich man who is stolen from a poor man. And the prophet tells this story not so that David will connect to the actions of the rich man or the poor man. The prophet tells the story so that he can direct the actions of David. So he can steer David to, to repentance and forgiveness and confession. The prophet tells the story not because it's something that could have happened, but to change what can happen and what will happen. The prophet tells this parable not because it's about the past, but because it's about the future. Parables are not about the past. Parables are about the future. Psalm 78 is a parable, even though it's history. The writer of Psalm 78 reframes this history. He restates the stories. He retells the tales. He rehearses the history, not because he wants to shackle us to the past, but he wants us to be able to create the future. He wants us not only to think about what was, but to think about what can be. Not to connect us to the content of the past, but to direct us to our intent for the future. The writer of Psalm 78 takes this history and retells it as a parable, as a story not about what was but a story about what can be psalm 78 is a parable and founder's day is our psalm 78 as we tell the stories of our congregation we tell them as a parable we tell the, these stories of our own history not because they're stories about what what was but because they're stories about what can be we learn the stories of our own history so that we can learn not, not the, the content of the past, but change the intent of our future. Not to connect to the actions of those who've gone before, but to direct the actions of ourselves and our children and our community as we move into the days ahead. We tell these stories not because they're about the past, but because they're about the future. We learn that, that God provided Bibles and we responded. We learn 
that, that God provided a pastor and our congregation responded, that, that God provided a location and we responded, that God provided the means to build a new place for worship for our children and we responded, that God provided an opportunity to build a safe place for our teenagers and we responded. We learned that God was faithful over and over and over and over again, not because we need to know that God was faithful, but because we need to know that God is faithful and that God will be faithful. We learn these stories so that we can so that we can make a grateful response to God's love. That's that's who we are as a church. We are a church that lives and grows and serves in grateful response to God's love. That, that's the statement that we use over and over to define ourselves. We are a people who know that God has been faithful and we respond. So as we gather together on Founders Day, we, we restate the stories. We retell the tales. We rehearse the history, not because it's about the past, but because it's about the future. It's not only about who God was, but about who God is and who God will be and who God has called us to be tomorrow. Psalm 78 begins, I open my mouth in a parable. Parables are stories about the future. As we celebrate Founders Day together, we do so to prepare, to build, to create the future. We recognize what God has done for our congregation and we make a grateful response. Not only because Christ has died, not only because Christ has risen, but because Christ will come again. This is a story about the future as we make a grateful response. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.